MYP fam, welcome to another episode. Today's episode is with Jack Recider, and he is the host of the Darknet Diaries. And it's a fascinating conversation for a couple of reasons. The first off is this podcast is absolutely riveting. I can't do a whole lot of true crime stuff, but I can do this because this stuff is not as gory, but it's just as interesting. And another thing that you might want to know is to date, Jack has been very public about the downloads and the amount of downloads that he's had on his show. And to date, he is approaching to almost 23 million. He's at over 22.9 million downloads. And it seems like on some publishing days, he's hitting over 150,000 downloads on those days. And it looks like he finished up last year at, in 2021 at just over 15 million downloads. So the guy's brilliant. It's a really great conversation, and I'm sure Jack's going to come back for a part two. But until then, enjoy this interview with Jack Recider, the host of the Darknet Diaries. MYP fam, I want you guys to welcome Jack Recider to the show. Thank you, man, for hanging out and spending some time with us. But I really enjoyed your show because I could do it. And it's fascinating. And I was learning and it was like people were doing crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like all of all of it combined, but I can come away and be like, all right, I'm not going to have nightmares. Yeah. It's a little bit different than your average true crime where it's like murders and stuff. This is all cyber crime. <laughs> right. Right. So, so one of the things that I love about podcasts is there's so many different stories behind the show. I'd love for you to take us, whether it's your, your kind of fascination or interest in, in the dark web. I, I don't know how much you share necessarily about your experience there, but I'd love you to take us kind of why you started the show and, and you've been going on almost five years now, you just hit your 100th episode. Just give us a little bit of the insight on what the journey has been like for you. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the show is just something I wish existed, but couldn't find. And before this, I was a network security engineer and I loved podcasts. I was listening to Serial and This American Life and Radiolab. And these are the shows that just had me so glued to the, to the headphones, right? I could not turn them off if I was in, in a good spot. So I was like, well, where is that kind of amazing storytelling but for cybercrime. And since I was in, I was working with cybercrime all the time on my day job, I'm like, I know there's high drama stuff that's going on. I mean, the president's getting involved in some of these, there's lives at stake and others. So like, no, where's that? And that just didn't exist. The, the podcasts out there were the ones that were just covering like news or interviews, but nobody was really saying, okay, we're going to go back five years and get the beginning to end of this story, right? Because when the news comes out, you don't know who the hacker was or why they did it or how the damage was. But if you wait a while, then maybe the FBI catches them and maybe they go to prison and maybe they come out and then maybe then they want to tell their story and we have all this stuff that we can do, the whole story now. And that's, that's what I wanted was like a slow news version of cybersecurity stories and the people who were there for it. And that didn't exist. So I said, well, I'll give it a try. And... <laughs> Once I made one episode, showed it to my friends, they were like, yeah, make more. This, I think this is something. How long was it before you thought that it was a good idea, before you actually sent that episode to your friends? Was that quick or did that take a long time? I think it was about six months of me, like just thinking about it, not doing it, and reading a book about how to podcast, finding the right story. I mean, it really was a good six months of just figuring out how to do it. And not like what mic to get. I just grabbed the old, an old USB mic out of my drawer and got audacity and was like, okay, the, the equipment part's done, but how do you make the story sound good? What's good audio journalism sound like? And so that's where I had to spend a whole bunch of time listening to where they add music and how does the intro sound? What's in the exit? 
all these things that I, I was just taking all these notes of and then figuring out how to put it all together and stuff. So yeah, a good solid six months just for the first episode to make. And then once I had it done, I was so excited about it. I was, I was sending it to my friends right away. So my thing was that I sent it to 10, 10 friends and like, I think half of them actually listened to it and replied, but I had, I had some very specific questions. I was like, okay, on a scale from one to 10, how likely are you to tell someone about this podcast? Because I thought that was a really good indicator of whether or not this is going to spread. And, um, the ones who listened were on, were on the high seven, eight, nines. And that was good. It made, it made me feel like this is something that's going to spread. And then I think the other question I had was, what do you remember about it after you finish listening? And uh, some people had things that they said that weren't even in the show, which was interesting. Like, oh, I, I thought it was really interesting that Cambodia came up. I was like, well, Cambodia never came up. So where do you even get this? So that was kind of fine. And the third question was, if I, if I, if I should change one thing, what things should I change or something? And some people were like, oh, you, I think you talked a little fast or something like that. So it was very specific feedback that I was looking for, which, you know, is, is crucial for launching something or, or trying to get your, get your craft better and not just this, you know, generic, what do you think? Cause a, a generic question like that, you, your person's not even going to listen and they're going to reply, sounds great, ship it. And that's it. But when you ask these questions, oh, I, I had one more question. I was like, if you didn't finish it, at what point did you turn it off? I want to know the exact time code. <laughs> Because now I know yeah, where, well, yeah, where the lulls were. And, and that was where, that was how things started, I guess. Yeah, it's really great. We talk about feedback campaigns and you've really brought another layer and giving some real specificity to it. So I think that that's, that's something I'd, I want to come back to a little bit. When, when I'm hearing though, is you, you were in this industry and you had been in the kind of the networking, not, not people networking, but in, you know, kind of infrastructure, that's been something that you were you had a history and kind of a career in. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. And so I had kind of a leg up. That was my superpower is I know where the stories are. I know who the players are in this space. I understand the lingo. So that gave me, you know, definitely a, a superpower. Well, I really love your, your storytelling. And you mentioned a little bit about the actually putting it together. And I'd, I'd love for you to talk about this, this narrative format. But you've also really, I came up in the business entrepreneurial podcast space that started out before podcasting I was really into live streaming and really it was just interviewing it was just talking heads back and forth and and there is some value there obviously in the knowledge that's shared and things like that but what you've really done is created a, a different level of experience because at the beginning I was listening to the show and you it was it fit and worked just like a, the best narrative shows where there's great sound design music sound effects you're bringing in different clips but then you also incorporated an interview aspect where now you brought on an expert and gave some insights to what I would imagine. Well, I don't know. Just, just t take me through what that process is like and, and why you incorporate both this narrative aspect, but then you also bring in these subject matter experts and kind of do a little interview similar to what, what this show is like. Yeah, the, uh, the simple answer is that that's the kind of podcast I love listening to the most. And so I could have taken a lot easier route and just had a conversational type of podcast and not done all this. But I, I think there is a... It's almost like prime time kind of <laughs> shows, right? Where it's, there's so much more production and stuff in there. And I knew it was a harder route, but that was what I wanted to try to make and challenge myself and see if I could do that. And just to clarify, I don't like to bring in experts or subject matter experts. I want to bring in people who were there and it could have been their first week on the job when they had to experience this, you know, data breach or something, but that's the perspective I want the most. And I didn't think I was seeing that as much 
in the uh, in the security landscape was just the people who were there. It was always experts. And I'm like, that's not valuable info. I need the actual, what do you do in this situation kind of thing. Well, yeah, I thought the, I thought the interview that you did with Mark recently, the story of Mark, I love that that's the description and he, cause he was there. So you're able to get kind of real firsthand knowledge. But what I was referencing before was, I think it was on, I guess it was on that same episode with Mark. There was someone at the end who was giving some mm. perspective to how it applies or how someone in cybersecurity could actually learn from this. And I don't, maybe she was, she did have some um, experience in the, in the event, but I thought, wow, this is really great because now all of a sudden it's not just a cool story because there are those podcasts where they are just a really cool story and you come away from it and you draw your own truths and, and your own learnings from it. But here it was at the end, there was someone who was giving someone some really concrete takeaways on how to avoid these things as well. And I don't know if that was something that you did just intuitively, but I thought that that was a something that's going to attract great customer, a great you know listener. That's going to be great for your sponsors. Like all that just opens up your it just opens up so many things than if you were to just have a narrative podcast that does a good story. Yeah, I think it was just happenstance on that one. I typically don't like to bring experts in, but this was a story about insider threats, right? This guy worked at this company and then ended up making a breach at this company. Right. And I was just on Twitter at the same time, and I was seeing this 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 lady say that you know, she could give a talk about insider threats at the drop of a hat. She doesn't need any preparation. And I had known her from, from before. And so I was like, Hey, I don't have an ending to this episode. Can I just like interview you for five, like two minutes? It doesn't even need to be long. And just give me like a quick thing to uh, kind of end the episode on. And uh, yeah, it was the first time I tried that actually. Yeah, I thought it was a really cool. I only got a chance to listen to a couple episodes. I was like, wow, this is this is an awesome show. This is gonna this is why I would come back to it because there's a lot of times where my mind is so much in, I've got to get something out of this experience. I've mm -hmm. got if I'm gonna listen to this podcast, I've got to learn or take away something. And there are moments where I just want to hear a good story and just want to be taken away or entertained or whatever it is. But the fact that you're able to bring both of them, even if I want to be in that state where I'm learning, well, now I can give myself the reason and excuse to listen to something like that. So I just thought that was great. We talked about attracting different listeners through your show formatting and through, you know, your show sound design, all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was great. Mm, glad you liked it. One of the things that I also really noticed, I put out on Twitter, who would be a good podcaster to, to interview? And you were the, the most recommended person, like hands down by far. And perhaps you just had, you know, the Darknet team just all rally on that post, or, or I don't know <laughs> no, what happened. They, but I, they came out but I was blown away. Yeah, well, I was blown away by it. And all of a sudden, you, you hadn't been on my radar before that, but all of a sudden, you, I know that when other people come to someone's, you know, or not, not defense, because that's not what it is, but when other people back another person, that's a sign of a strong community. And that's a sign of someone who is is creating, I think, something special. So I'd love for you to talk about what, do you guys have a community? Is it, I know you guys have a booming discord, like, like what was that like? And how did that emerge? And was that something that you did intentionally? Or is that something that kind of came from creating a good show? Yeah, so I, I listened to Gary V's advice. And he says, post as much content on social media as you can. And so I decided when I was starting this thing, let's get a Twitter account going. And I got that and it was locked in. It was nice and flowing good, but I was like, I need more. Gary V's like, post more, post more. So I made an Instagram account and then I made a Facebook account. Then I made a LinkedIn account. And on all these things, I was just posting daily 
with thoughts and ideas and stories and memes and jokes and inspirational stuff. It wasn't always like, listen to my show, listen to my show. It was, let's give value right here and now. And what I was learning was that my listeners are on all these platforms. If you are on Facebook and you want to connect with me, I'm now one click away versus, uh, nope, I'm only on this one platform, Twitter. You have to go there to connect with me, right? And so in the early days, it was great to connect with these fans who I could then ask those questions I was asking my friends, right? At what point do you turn it off? How many episodes have you listened to? What would you change about it, right? And so I could have these conversations with fans of the show to make the show better. And that was just really helpful for me when I was getting started was making these connections with the fans. And not only that, but it, they, were, they were connecting me to experts in the field or people who were there or stories that I had missed. And they were giving me lots of content. And so just being in all the places at once as close to the fans as possible, I thought was a really good move. And then I was like, wait, I need like a place where the community can just talk amongst themselves because it just doesn't exist in, in these places yet. So that's when I made a Discord, or not a Discord, a Reddit, a subreddit, and uh, just started making that because I liked, sub, I liked Reddit at the time. And at the same time, my fans were just so much on Discord that they decided to make a fan Discord channel. And it was not my doing. They made it. And after like a few months of them inviting me, I finally showed up. <laughs> and so once I That's got so there, funny. I was like, this is the coolest place. I can't believe everyone here is just uh, fans of the show and you've organized without even me. So I, may, I adopted it as the official place. It's now links on the website and all this kind of stuff. And I encourage people to go to it all the time. But I, but I really thought it was important that it was set up by the community for the community so that I don't have to put so much time into it. And it's, uh, it's driven by them. So I, yeah, that was, uh, that's how I think the uh, community kind of got built. And I, I was just really pushing it, right? I was like, okay, the goal for the first year is to have 10,000 followers on Twitter, 10,000 followers on Instagram, 10,000 followers on Facebook. Like that was a one year long goal. And that was, that, I think that's a nice obtainable goal. You can, you can push hard on it and, and make it in half a year. You know, I actually, I had a friend who was challenging me who can get to 10,000 first. So it was actually a fun little competition and we were neck and neck like the whole time. But yeah, I mean, once you get to a certain size, now, whenever you post something like, here's a new episode, there are more upvotes, there are more retweets, there are more comments there, are, which sees more eyeballs. If you have a small following and you post something, you're just not going to have that much and, or zero. So it's, it's the, I, a lot of people think that if you have a podcast, then people will like that and then they'll follow you on social media. But I do the exact opposite. I say, there's all these people on social media who want to listen to podcasts, but don't know I exist. How do I get to them? And so I say, here is some really juicy content right here for you now. You don't have to come listen to my show, but I have all this stuff. And then they, uh, they follow, they like, they engage, and then they see one out of 10 posts is, by the way, I have a podcast all about this stuff. And now they become listeners. And so that's what I'm trying to do is mine all the people in social media to come listen to my show instead of the other way around, which is go find me on social media and follow me there from the show. It seems like you have a really good read on what people enjoy or what people would want to enjoy is that something that you've always had like have you always been a good storyteller or is it is it because you do a lot of research to to try and understand what is what is that like because it seems it seems like what you're throwing against the wall is sticking yeah i i i feel like 
what I enjoy is different than mainstream. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes on in mainstream that I'm just like, oh, that's so lame. Like, I don't know. I don't like, I don't like a lot of fictional shows, right? So like superhero shows and stuff. I'm just like, it's the same show every time. There's a bad guy. There's a good guy. The good guy doesn't think he's going to win. And then he does win at the end. It's the same show every time. And so I'm just so tired of this stuff. And so other, I, I just look at the world in a different way. And I think that might be it is, you know, as podcasters, we might, our audience kind of relies on us to sort of be tastemakers, to look at the world differently than the way they see it. They don't always want to see it through their own eyes. They want to see it through someone else's eyes as well. So I just kind of, I pull up stuff that I find interesting and it has to, it's like a deep cut. It really, I really look for the, for the stuff that even today after a hundred episodes, I'm just like, whoa, somebody hacked that. How in the world did they do that? And I could still be amazed with this content and bring it out. And, and that amazement comes through in the show too, because I, I like to kind of deliver it in a more exciting way and not monotonous or anything. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to know exactly what people like, but I'm glad they like what I'm making because as a creator, when you make something and people like it, it's, it's a high unlike anything else. Yeah, I'd love to know if there's like a favorite episode or something that 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 you think. I'd just love to know what what your personal your favorite episode is. But but before I would give you some time to think on that. It's interesting that you you talk about people wanting to you know I I, I forget who it is, but he, he basically is is putting out this thesis that there's so much information out there in the world that people are now looking for these. It's why the the influencers become such a the rise of the influencers because people are looking for quote unquote experts or subject matters or people like a podcast host. They're looking for these people to determine truth. Unfortunately, right? Determine their their truth because there's so much out there in the world that they're now looking for other people to figure out kind of what what they should believe or things to to consider. Right? If it's done the right way, hopefully your show empowers people sure. to kind of find their own truth. But but I think that that's really what a lot of people are drawn to, especially with me, because there's you have such knowledge and expertise and your ability to make it consumable in a way that's enjoyable is not a, a skill that everybody has. And so um, I just I kind of want to thank you for, for bringing that into the world. That's an interesting way. Let's look at it. Is there an episode that comes to mind? I mean, I got through a couple of episodes and they were pretty gnarly. You know, one, what I love was, was really kind of close to home. And, you know, this guy, I would encourage you guys to go listen to the episode. This guy, Mark, he's, you know, had a friend who was passing away and, you know, had an opportunity to make some money. And, and like, it was a very, very, it was a story that almost anybody could relate to. Right. And then the other one that you just recent released, I guess this past week was, you know, about something a little more high profile and things that were in the news and stuff like that. And so it kind of spans all of the uh, the spectrum there. But for you, is there something that was particularly enjoyable or maybe an episode that did better than you thought? Yeah, well, the one that I like is the Xbox Underground one. And this was uh, a really big struggle for me to understand the story, to make it there. I have interviewed many people for it. And, and, and the other thing is that this is one of the first that was actually brought to me, which kind of made me feel like people are choosing to share their story on my show for the first time. And that's really exciting when people bring me the stories. So this one was crazier than fiction. And that's what I also loved about it. You know, I, I, I was dissing on fiction a, a minute ago because <clears throat> I think true stories can be just as crazy, if not crazier. And as you're listening to this, you, you just, your, your, your spidey sense goes up where you're like, I don't 
they, I think Jack lost it here. This, there's no way this is a true story and stuff, but it, it twists and it turns and it ends up being, you know, people get arrested and, and prison and all this stuff. And it's all in the court documents. And, and it's like, holy cow, this really happened. And that kind of feeling of, I can't believe that's a true story is my favorite kind of feeling to, to share with the people where they get that feeling of, of, of what I, there's no way I got to listen to this again because I just doesn't. I, and so that it was actually, I think that's been the most listened to episode this whole time up until like uh, a little bit last year. And now it's like the second or third most listened episode. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool to see that not, and once again, these words are, are weird, right? Like to see that you're the authority, that's the initial word that came to mind, but that, that sounds like the, the misproper of it. I think, you know, you're now an arbiter of, of kind of these stories. And uh, I think it's so important for podcasters, regardless of where, what niche they're in. Like I said, a lot of the shows that I worked with early on in my career were in the business space and a lot of teaching and how to's and people tune those out even today, right? The, the best shows are able to tell great stories. And so I think yeah. you've, you've really honed in on that so, ability. So this, you, you remind me of one of my favorite uh, marketer marketers, which is Seth Godin. And he has a podcast and many books. And I got a lot of value out of Seth Godin. But I was listening to his podcast last night and he was saying something about, you don't want to be fungible in the world, which is if you're an employee at a company, yeah, we can fire you and hire another person right now. It does the exact same job. And that's... And, and the same thing with podcasting, right? If this podcast doesn't work out, psh, don't worry. I've got 10,000 other ones I can listen to, whatever. But you want to be non-fungible. You want to be unique in the way that you're the one that they're asking for by name. If a customer calls up in the office and says, I want to speak, I want Jack to help me. And he's the only one who I know can do it because he did such a, he's been to my place and he know whatever the case is, you know, now you're being called by name. Now you're no longer fungible. Now it's like, you're the only one who can do this. And that's kind of how you need to stand out as an artist and as a creator is you need to not just be the same as everyone else. You need to be non-fungible. It's not that it's not like we can just replace you with just another person. And this kind of becomes hard when I'm trying to make international versions of the show where I, I'm trying to get a Spanish speaking person to do what I do. I'm just like, there's no way because there's a lot of personality involved in stuff. And so it's, it's, a, it's quite a, it's quite an interesting thing, but I think this is also like, there are multiple ways of luck, multiple ways that you can have luck. You can have dumb luck, just stumbling upon a, a lottery ticket, or you can have, uh, you, you know, tough, uh, like luck favors the bold, where you're just doing it over and over and over until you actually get it right. But there's the third kind of luck, which is the most coolest one, which is other people's luck becomes your luck. And if people are getting out of prison from hacking reasons and they want to tell their story, they're going to come to me because they know I'm I'm the storyteller for that specific thing. And so I I have become non-fungible. I have become lucky because I've made this awareness, this brand, this this show that people are bringing me the things. And now, I mean, I would never have stumbled upon a lot of these stories that people have brought me. And it, it, that's that's, I think, what we should be working towards is getting that luck that other people want you by name yeah that's fantastic advice two two quick things i want to ask you about before i get out of here the first is i'd love to ask you about the business of, of what you got going on because i don't know if it, if you thought it was going to be a business at the beginning but it's definitely 
become that you've got some great sponsors. I mean, it's a whole, if it's not, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. But one thing that I was also really just drawn in by was the branding, the artwork, the each episode has this badass cover art that you've got a whole library in there. What was the story behind branding? And was that intuitive? Or was that intentional? How did how did that come to be? Yeah, I liked I, there were a few shows that I liked that did it before me, like Criminal has a different um, Im- image for every episode. And I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. I like this. And the artwork in there can just draw you in on its own. But it just so happens to double as a great marketing tool where you're not showing the same image every time you're po- posting about this. You've got all kinds of new images. And then when you go to the page, it draws you in because now it's not just uh, a basic image. Now there is... Oh, that looks cool. And that looks cool. Uh, wait, hold on. How, how many of these images are there? They're all looking cool. So people sometimes just come to check out the images, right? So the goal of uh, a podcast uh, cover art or images in this situation is to stop people from scrolling endlessly because you know we're all scrolling constantly on our phone. And I want to get them to stop and say, wait, that looks cool. And then after that, I want them to say, well, what is this? Oh, it's a podcast. Okay. Well, what's it called? Darknet Diaries. That's intriguing. Right. That's interesting. That's a, I don't know what, if I'm brave enough to listen to that or whatever the case is. And so, you know, if there's this interesting thing and then they click on it and then the website has all this extra art too, that just draws them in more. Right. So that's kind of the, my sales funnel is I'm, the, the sale is I want to get you to be a listener. This is free. There's no, nothing to pay for, but that's, that's how I look at it as stop the scrolling. Is it intriguing? Click it get you to listen. And I think that's why I put so much emphasis in the artwork. Yeah. And I'm sure it's, I know it has to be paid off. You mentioned a little bit, I'd love to, to just talk about what, whatever you feel comfortable in regards to the show as a, as a business, because I've been on this, I don't know what you would call it. It's not a, it's a tiff or I don't whatever. That's not a rant either, but I've been coming into connection with a lot of the indie podcast group, and there seems to be this very stark opposition to monetizing art. Mm. And I am a marketer. I, I started my first business when I was seventeen, and ever since then, I've never you know looked back. And I'm a so I'm an entrepreneur before I'm a creator, before I'm even a podcaster. And so I come with that lens, and I understand that I come with that lens. But for you, how do you approach it? Because so many in your space or in that niche, right? We're all in kind of the same, but in, in those niches have a, a different perspective to it, to sponsorships or selling ads or whatever it is, but it's obviously something that's an integrated part of your show. And I'd love to just hear what your perspective and thoughts on the business side of it. I think, um, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk again, who kind of put the bee in my bonnet, which was, I think it's like jab, 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 uppercut talks about how you can just keep giving people value just give them value give them value give them value give them value until they're just like this guy is so important to my life he's so valuable to me i've learned so much this is so entertaining all this kind of stuff that that's I mean that's my value propositions and then i'm like okay now that you are you know got some value out of me i need to just spend 30 seconds here 
to do an ad or 60 seconds. And that's cool, right? And evolve. Yeah, to by all means, do your ad if that's how you're going to get paid, right? And so the the other thing about it is, and so I, I don't want to uppercut, 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 right? I'm not here to just say ad, ad, ad. I'm not coming out. I'm the, the show never opens with an ad. There are two ads only in, in the whole episode. And the first episode at all, I, I absolutely don't want ads because that's not how you start like a good relationship with someone. You don't uppercut right off the bat. <laughs> so yeah, I've got some, like, I, I really hold back on the ads. I hold, I, I, I leave a lot of money on the table because of it. I could absolutely double or triple my revenue, but I want the listener to feel like a max value out of the situation. And I have not had a single complaint that there's too many ads in it or that I, I shouldn't have ads. But on the other side of this, I had people who were, who were approaching me and saying, how do I give to the show? I've got, I've got some cash right here. How do I give? And um, I was like, well, I don't have a thing to set up. And don't worry, it's fine. Because I, I was in the mood of just giving value. I didn't want to take any value out of it. And so I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. But after five people asked me, how do I give to the show? Because you really, you really like significantly impacted my life. And you just bring so much value to it. I was like, okay, I better set up something. And so that's why I set up Patreon. And I said, here you go, you can give. And by the way, if you give, you can get some bonus content and some ad-free, an ad-free version and this kind of stuff. So as a thank you, which they didn't even need. Like people are just wanting to give it without any extra bonus. They're just like, no, you already gave me a ton of stuff. Why are you giving me more? So it wasn't even necessary, but uh, I just thought it was important to, to do. And so, yeah, I mean, this is th what I think we're in the world of is, is people are more than happy to give to creators that make an impact to them. And they're more than happy to let the, the creator make their own money. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's where we're at is <laughs> people are, people are fine with it. Yeah, I agree that if you do a, a good job of providing value up front and you're honest with people. We on some of our shows that I produce, we make a joke about it. You know, it's like it, it just, but being real with people really creates some authenticity because they're not, I think there's an understanding that they're not paying for it, right? It's a podcast. And if so, um, yeah, another they person want the best. who does a really good job with that is Pat Flynn on his podcast, Smart Passive Income. He's always just so honest and open with everybody on, um, you know, just how he's making money and stuff like that and why he's doing it. And it, it's just so refreshing to, to hear it from him. He's, he's just, people like him for being him, you know, and, and it's great. Yeah. Jack, is this, this has been fun. I'm excited to listen to more episodes. Uh, it's Darknet Diaries. It's true stories from the dark side of the internet. You can go to darknetdiaries.com. I listened to it on Spotify. He's already at Spotify just opened the ratings and he's at like 3,600 reviews over there. So that should give you enough of a reason to go and jump on it. Anything else you want to uh, say? Well, or, Hector, or I really feel like better? we're just getting started. I want your fans to know that I have a, a 90 minute video on all kinds of podcast promotion strategies that I've done on YouTube. And you can search for that. It's called Podcast Promotion Strategies That Work. And additional to that, I have a blog called Lime.link, which is, uh, that's the whole URL, Lime.link. And uh, that's just tons of, tons of notes I have on marketing podcasts and growing your podcast and growing your social media audiences and it, just uh, lots of things there. So I think your, your listeners will find value in both of these things. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm going to go check those out. And just thanks again for for what you're doing, not only for for your community, but then also for for the podcasting community and also the world. You know, bringing art is uh, you know something that's often so uh, personal, but the fact that you're you're you know, and podcasting is the opposite. You know, it's 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 to the world. So I appreciate what you're doing and the impact that you're making. Great, thanks. Guys, thank you for hanging out with us, sticking around, darknetdiaries.com. Go check it out, and we will see you guys on the next episode of the MYP Show.